0: And on this week's show we hear from the new CAF president, Patrice Motsepe. He's had lots to say about his vision for the game on the continent. And Motsepe says he wants Africans to be excited about African football, for the game to grow as a business on the continent, and how our own domestic leagues should excite us as much as European football.
1: We know what is required. How to get Africans excited about African football. To go to the stadium, to pay TV companies to to allow them to watch our games, just like we pay TV companies to watch uh, clubs all over the world.
0: So how can this be achieved for more people to enjoy watching African football on TV and to enjoy going to the stadium to watch games? Uh, That's our main focus on the show today. And also, Stuart, on a big TV deal for women's football in England. So we're in the middle of the decisive 2021 Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers, with the remaining places being decided in the games up to next Tuesday. Well, huge congratulations to listeners in the Gambia qualifying for the first time. We talked about the anticipation there in the Gambia last week. Well, that's a great achievement. And the Comoros also made it for the first time. But DR Congo miss out. And also in the qualifiers, we saw international football returning to Libya after seven years as they hosted Tunisia. We'll wrap up the games on next week's show. Well, before we get to our main topic, though, Ida has won another prestigious award, winning in the special category for Best Investigative Reporting at the International Sports Press Association Awards. Uh, This is a global award journalists from around the world entered. This was her story on match fixing in Kenyan football. Well, huge congratulations, Ida. Uh, Tell us more.
2: (laughs) Well, um, it's an amazing honor, Steve, and all glory and thanks to the Most High. I, I did receive it alongside a former colleague, Jeff Kinyanjui, who wrote about um, the match-fixing vice for the newspaper. And as you've said there, it is a special category, meaning that there were no submissions for this award, unlike in the other categories. You know, consequently, that all three recipients of this had their work chosen for its impact on journalism. But Steve, I think the work continues, you know, to continue telling our stories in only the way we can and to continue holding systems to task. You know, previous winners of this include the likes of Anasa Nas. But it's, it's an amazing feeling, Steve, but one that I think should motivate one to be more and ultimately
0: to do more. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, doing us proud. Congratulations uh, on that, Ida. Well, the biggest story in African football in the past few weeks is South Africa's Patrice Motsepe becoming the new Confederation of African Football president. He's had lots to say about his vision for the game on the continent, and a few days after taking the post unopposed, he spoke to the media. And here Motsepe highlighted the work that he says has to be done to make African football grow. In particular, how African football can be valued more in Africa.
1: What do we sell? what do we sell what makes us attractive african football african football why must supporters lovers of football come to the stadium because when they go to the stadium it should be an exciting fulfilling experience and uh, and we want them to pay for it as well so that we can pay the players and pay uh, the staff in the office, and, and and make whether it's the clubs or the nations competitors. So we must. Have, so we sell quality football. And uh, I said this morning earlier, in South Africa, huge money is being spent for people to watch European football, and and it's wonderful. But we want them to spend in Africa huge money is watching African football. So we know what is required how to get africans excited about african football to go to the stadium to pay tv companies to to allow them to watch our games just like we pay tv companies to watch uh, clubs all over the world and we have the talent but we need to to look at these things in a manner that is sustainable and and uh, We've got a lot of experience. I'll, I'll give you an example. I mean, I've been owning a football club now for the last twenty years, and we spent and we've won the league in South Africa ten times, and we we're champions of Africa in 2016. We've we spent so much family money that we will never get back. Uh, when Senegal was paid, it wasn't just paying for Senegal; it was paid for all of us. When uh, Cote d'Ivoire plays in the World Cup, they don't pay only for Cote d'Ivoire; they pay for all of us. So when Cordova does well, we feel proud because it gives us a sense of dignity and pride. We may not have the economies or even the technological advancements in the manufacturing industries in Africa that the rest of the world has. But we've got something special in football. And football over time will contribute. It doesn't just give a future for our young boys and girls. It will also, with positive perspectives of football, goes investments, goes jobs, goes uh, a better economy.
0: So that's the CAF president, Patrice Motsepe, and well, there's a lot in there, Ida. There's the pride of African football, there's how much potential the game has as a business on the continent, there's how our own domestic leagues should excite us as much as European football, and how we should be able to enjoy watching African football on TV, and enjoy going to the stadium to watch matches. So, um, first of all, you can't force people in Africa to follow African football. And uh, those who prefer European football have many reasons for doing so, Ida.
2: Well, this is one of those topics, Steve, that has so many different viewpoints. First off, yes, you are right. People like what they like. And absolutely, you can't force something on people. But, It's also important to analyze why it is that people like what they like, you know, and the European football, for example, has been marketed aggressively pushed right in our faces and commercialized for so long, Steve, that, you know, look, it's almost reflex. It's almost natural for many to follow it as much as they do. Picking on the Premier League, for example, it's commercialized each and every facet of its game. And when you sell your product on that level, Steve, then everyone wants to be associated, you know. It is a domino effect, you know. It has that effect on everything else. We've seen African Premier League players, they are absolute stars, you know, when they come back home. So, look, I'm all for it. And as Motspe puts it, what are we selling, you know, and what makes us attractive? That's what we need to figure out, and that's what needs to be top priority. Unfortunately, in Africa, many might look at sport as a hobby or you know, even a good pastime, but Steve, sport is serious business and the countries that have realized and uh, harnessed this are eons ahead, you know, even within the continent, we're talking the likes of Egypt, Morocco, South Africa, of course, you know, remember SA's Premier Soccer League generating over one billion rand in revenue back in 2019. That was historic. So, look, the market is there, Steve. It might not be to the levels of Um, the disposable income, you know, that we see in the West, but the market is there. But, you know, what does it say about us that we don't have TV rights for Africa's premier football competitions, that instead of leveraging on current deals to get better ones, you know, we are busy breaking the existing ones and are left with nothing, you know, case in point, the Lagardea marketing contract with CAF, you know, at least in the previous CAF regime. So, Look, it's hopefully, it's hopefully a positive, sorry, that a business mogul has taken over leadership at CAP. We saw one of the final things Motsepe do before vacating his sandown seat, you know, is, uh, broker a deal with the University of Pretoria for football development. Cause Steve, what we need at the top isn't a person who necessarily understands football tactics and formation and what have you. No, we need someone who understands business we need people who are willing to have these really uncomfortable conversations surrounding money and sport you know and only in that way will things be able to turn around for the continent's football
0: yes and shortly we'll hear from Stuart about how the english premier league became a huge business in a relatively short space of time uh, well, indeed, as you say, it's so painful that uh, we can't watch the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers in sub-Saharan Africa because sub-Saharan Africa doesn't have the TV rights, so there's a long way to go. And uh, so Patrice Motsepe says he wants to get Africans excited about African football. Uh, it makes sense, but uh, where would you even start, Ida?
2: Steve, as most know, the image of African football to the world is probably the lowest it's been in a long time, with scandal after scandal, you know, and the tug of war between the previous CAF administration with FIFA. You know, things aren't looking good. So... First things first, good governance has to be right up there. I mean, it's been one controversy to another over the last few years. And Motspe really needs to, you know, work on building the reputation of African football, you know, to the world. Cut down on the corruption, cut down on the nepotism and start winning back slowly by slowly, winning back the trust of sponsors and corporates. And in line with with uh, sponsorship, Motshepe in his speeches, Steve talked about, you know, tapping into his vast network and hopefully, you know, luring these partnerships and investment into the continent. And we've already mentioned some of the others, you know, like the TV rights, which is so important. As it forms the backbone of sponsorship revenue, you know, and let African production companies hopefully access these broadcast rights. Because we've seen that when European countries and European companies do so, then they make it very difficult, you know, for African broadcasters to even afford the sub licensing, you know. And, of course, emphasis on the women's game as well as on age grade football. I mean, these were also in Motsapis' speech. Let's see about the Cup Women's Champions League. You know, in 2021 is promised, you know. And what about a plan for the women's national teams now that the uh, Orkin was scrapped? So of course, few would expect, you know, instantaneous big changes. But Steve, steps in the right direction incrementally will have a lot of the skeptics taking a second look.
0: Yes, and we can be optimistic for now. Thanks, Ida. And as we wrap up this topic here on A Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, uh, you might think that there's no way that African football can ever reach the heights of European football. Uh, But if we look at the case in England, the Premiership was formed in 1992, uh, now the Premier League. Uh, Before that, it was known as the First Division, and the rebranding to the Premiership was a huge transformation. Let's go to Stuart Weir in the UK. Uh, what were the factors that led to the huge growth of the Premiership, Stuart? Well, Steve, in
3: 1992, 22 clubs played each other home and away and Leeds United were declared Football League Division 1 champions. One year later, strangely enough, 22 clubs played each other home and away and Manchester United were the first winners of the Premier League. Nothing seemed to have changed but how wrong we were. Prior to 1992, the top tier of English football was part of the Football League, which had four divisions and 92 clubs. That meant that any decisions affecting Division 1 had to be approved by the clubs in Division 4, and any television income, for example, was split among 92 clubs. By setting up the Premier League as a separate entity, effectively owned and run by just 22 clubs, and now, of course, 20. That not only made decision-making easier, but meant that the lucrative TV contracts were now divided among just 22 clubs. And no one could have predicted the way the Premier League would have grown in importance. I mean, just comparing the first season, 92-93, when overseas broadcast rights for Premier League matches generated $10 million, by 2017... That figure had grown to a staggering $1.3 billion, And the Premier League was being broadcast in 212 territories. And the same picture can be seen in UK TV income. 1992, the entire season generated $21 million. Now it's estimated that each game is worth $15 million. And the money enabled clubs to attract the best players in the world by paying them the highest salaries. And to get another comparison, during the first weekend of the Premier League, only 13 players who were not British or Irish made an appearance. Last week, in the Arsenal-Tottenham game, there were 21 overseas players in that one game alone. And it's the same with coaches. Prior to 1992, the English League champions had always had a British manager. Now, British managers are an endangered species. Think Josie Mourinho, Jürgen Klopp, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Carlo Ancelotti, Pep Guardiola, Louis van Gaal, Antonio Conte, Mikel Arteta. All the successful managers seem to be from overseas. And then take the way stadiums have developed. Arsenal, in 2006, moved from Highbury, its home for 100 years, to the new Emirates Stadium. And Arsenal's match day revenue for the season in their final year at Highbury was $61 million. And suddenly they were generating $166 million in the new stadium. So Steve, the short answer to your question is money. The Premier League has generated so much money that it has made all the other things possible. But the implication of that is that Premier League football is no longer a game. It's a commodity and a business. It's a brand, and a brand that people want to be associated with. When the Football League used to market itself, it was representing 92 clubs in four divisions. When the Premier League markets itself, it's representing Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool, Manchester City, clubs which are brands, which are known across the world, and with whose name people want to be associated. And, Merchandise sales are through the roof. Now, a 2017 book, A History of the English Premier League, by Joel Rookwood and John Hewson, says that the difference can be summed up in five points between the new Premier League and the old Football League. Firstly, fans have become less important. Broadcast and commercial aspects are much more important in terms of generating revenue. Players, though, have become celebrities. The typical Premier League player is foreign. And perhaps most important, football now sees itself as part of the entertainment industry. That is what has happened, but I don't really think anyone expected it to develop the way it did. And whether it could be replicated in another country is a big question.
0: Well, an amazing look at the history of the English Premier League and uh, as you say, Stuart, it's more than just a game now. So we all love the English Premier League, I'm sure, but uh, going back to Patrice Motsepe, how do you think CAF can get Africans more excited about African football? That's our question on social media this week. So Motsepe says he wants the game to grow as a business on the continent. He'd like our own domestic leagues to excite us as much as European football does and that we should be able to enjoy watching African football on TV and going to the stadium to watch games. So it all sounds good, but what do you think will make Africans more excited about African football? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. Always great to hear from you. What do you think will make Africans more excited about African football? Well this is Planet Sport Football Africa brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA and our website is Planetsport.tv and in the blog section there you can read Russ Bravo's blog on how it's not only referees who make mistakes. That's on our website, planetsport.tv, and you click on the blog section on the right. Well, to last week's social media question, and we asked her, what do you think that Patrice Motsepe will achieve as the South African is the new CAF president after winning unopposed and making many promises for the good of African football? Motsepe is one of Africa's richest men, and his club, Mamelodi Sundowns, won the Champions League in 2016. So last week we asked, what do you think Motsepe will achieve, and are you expecting better times for African football? We had another terrific response this week, and with the comments is Planet Sport Football Africa's Ash Takiwa. Thanks,
4: Steve. And on WhatsApp, we start with Medlove in The Gambia, who says... I believe Motsepe will continue the good work of uniting African football by correcting mistakes of the former CAF president and caring for the welfare of African players. Also, as a rich man, I see him using part of his money to develop African football academies and individual teams, especially those that will qualify for international championships. Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone also sees a bright future ahead with Motsepe at the helm. When you take a look at how he has developed his club, you know he is a man of great vision, says Jesse. I believe you will make a great difference in African football and be able to make Africa competing with European countries and others. And here's a voice note now from Tebio Tieno in Kenya.
2: Mosepe might not entirely be looking at personal achievements. He instead might be looking forward to giving back to his community. I mean, what kind of wealth will he be looking at? To his Mamelodi Sundown team, he is likely to invest in the team for more wins. This, to me, will be his legacy.
4: So Tebi saying that Mosepe's legacy will probably be seen best through his team, Mamelodi Sundowns. Masane Kinte in the Gambia sees good times ahead under the new president. With Motsepe, I believe the African football house is possibly now in order, says Masane. Africa is united. Motsepe has it all on the table. The backing of FIFA, support within Africa, a focus on the positives, and is rich enough to be incorruptible with the CAF finances. I believe he's capable of uniting the African continent through football and getting rid of corruption at calf level and even beyond that. I'm expecting him to stick to his promises. But Marvelous, Olarewaju Abubakar in Nigeria takes a more cautious approach. Actually, I'm not interested in this, says Marvelous, because when Isa Hayatu left the office, I didn't see any better candidates that could improve on what Hayatu had been able to achieve during his tenure. So let's wait and see what this man can bring to the table, and hopefully he can achieve more than his predecessor. Lastly, I would say that his election into CAF was politically motivated. Well, yes, Issa Ayatu was a CAF president for 29 years until being toppled by Ahmad in 2017, and in January he was honoured by CAF with the title of Honorary CAF President in recognition of his many years of service. And another correspondent who is also cautious Mono John in Zambia. I supported Motsepes' candidature from the start, but not to go unopposed, says John. He needs to repair the financial credibility of the organization after the ill-fated era of Ahmad and also needs to look at the issue of infrastructural development for most members. Having appointed a very knowledgeable administrator, I have to believe things will improve under Motsepes' leadership, but I am not very expectant, says John. Well, let's hear another voice note now from Sana Jawona in the Gambia, who is full of optimism at Mosepe's appointment. We need people like Mosepe who are rich, they have the resources, they have experience in managing a club. Therefore, he's going to do a lot for our African clubs to develop the Champions League, Confederation Cups and also African football in general. If Mosepe can convince FIFA and CAF they invest in our club football, we will see different African teams in the World Cup. So I'm expecting a lot from Mosepe and I think he's going to achieve. So Sana saying there he believes Mosepe's appointment will lead to more African countries qualifying for the World Cup for the first time. And here now are the thoughts of Emmanuel Harry in Malawi. I believe that Motsepe has enough experience to see African countries doing well by producing quality players to play in Europe, says Emmanuel. Motsepe will make sure that African clubs have their own Super League with the intention of increasing competition among them. And N'sony Armstrong in Cameroon agrees that Motsepe's experience will be invaluable. Patrice Motsepe may be new when it comes to managing football at continental level, says Nsoni but I'm assured by the fact that he's from a nation where the game is advanced. His vision with Mamelodi Sundowns shows he has great ambitions as an administrator in football. I believe he will achieve so much in making the beautiful game more professional in the continent. And here's another voice note, this time from Wenda Zambwe in Zambia, who highlights another area that needs Motsepe's attention. One thing that he has to develop is women football, which is very, very, very dead in Africa compared to other nations in uh, Europe. So as uh, we need at least uh, one of the African teams to win a World Cup, so everything has to be put uh, together and to make sure that uh, things goes as planned. So Mwenda looking to motsepe to develop women's football across the continent and deliver a World Cup winner for Africa. Two very big challenges for sure. And Esunge in Cameroon agrees. Women's football is one avenue that should get more light from Dr. Motsepe's reign, says Esunge. Awareness about the development of women's football should gain more ground across the African continent. All in all, I have high hopes that the learned doctor will introduce Africa to a better and new era of football, and all this can happen if he is open to innovation, advice, and criticism. And we'll end today with Moma Tabajang in the Gambia. Motsepe has a vast knowledge in managing football, says Moma. He has his own club and he is rich. I hope he will fulfill his promises because power is sweet and I'm looking forward to his tenure as CAF president. So plenty of advice for the new CAF president from our correspondents this week, Steve. And although some of them are holding their judgment until he has had a chance to implement any new policies, there is overall a great sense of support and expectation
0: surrounding this appointment. The big question is then, can Motsepe deliver? Yes, and picking up on that, our social media question this week. How can CAF get Africans excited about African football? We'd love to hear your thoughts there on social media on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. What do you think will make Africans more excited about African football? Well, let's go back now to Stuart Weir in the UK. No English Premier League this weekend, as it's an international window. But earlier on, Stuart, you were telling us about the huge growth of the English Premier League. And I saw there was a big TV deal for the English Women's Football League.
3: Yes, Women's Professional Football in England has struck a groundbreaking $33 million deal with Sky Sports and BBC to make the Women's Super League the most watched football league for women in the world. The three-year agreement is the first time that women's rights have been sold separately from the men's game and we understand that it will be worth about $11 million per season with three-quarters of that being distributed among the 12 Super League clubs and uh, 25% going to the 11 clubs in the championship. But for comparison, the present men's Premier League deal, running three years, is worth $6.8 billion. But it's doubly good news because women's football will raise its profile and will be given a massive injection of finance. As well as some pay-per-view games on Sky, BBC, which is free to watch, will have lots of games. And we understand that games are going to be on a Friday at 6.30pm, Saturday 1230 and Sunday 11.30 and 6.30, largely times when the Men's Premier League doesn't play, so that will minimise competition
0: and give opportunity for greater viewership. That's a great chance for women's football to grow in England. And we've spoken a lot about moves to give more opportunities in English football to those black, Asian and ethnic minority or BAME managers and administrators. And uh, there's some news there, Stuart.
3: Yes, well, Gordon Taylor is stepping down as CEO of the Professional Footballers' Association, that's the Players' Trade Union, after being in the post for 40 years. And his successor is Maheta Molonga, who is Swiss but played three years professionally in England before qualifying as a lawyer, and he's black. Now, the board which worked alongside Taylor contained only one black player and one female player. But that board is now being reconstituted. And people have been invited to put themselves forward. And the encouraging news is that a number of significant people from the black, Asian and minority ethnic community are interested. Troy Deeney, the Watford player, Wes Morgan, Leicester City, former England goalkeeper David James and Dave Regis, better known perhaps as brother of Cyril Regis, have all expressed an interest in serving on the board. Now, Wes Morgan, who is already on the Premier League's BAME Advisory Committee, said recently, look, we're not there just to make up the numbers or to tick a box for the Premier League. We want to see black, Asian and minority ethnic representation in boardrooms go up from its current 2% to 20%. So the whole thing looks a very positive development.
0: Yeah, sure it does. Uh, Thanks, Stuart. That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ash Stikiwa in Harare, from Aida Waringa in Nairobi and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.